Riverside. Welcome back. Episode 9 of the Backside Ground Ball Podcast. Coming live from the great state of North Carolina. How about that? Both of us live. Um, it's been a while. We missed you. Um, it was a little hectic. I was obviously in the middle Life of a happens. move. Life happens. Life happens. I was in the middle of a move. Um, but we're back. We're in a great episode tonight. We got a feisty Trevor, um, which is my favorite <laughs> My favorite type of Trevor. Um, when you can, when we get you all fired up, that's when you know it's going to be a good episode. Hasn't happened yet, so the listeners are in for a treat tonight. How you feeling, man? I'm doing all right. It's been a long week, and I guess I'm just going to air it out. <laughs> You've come to the safe space. This is a safe space for you to do that, Okay. I just want you to know this is your safe space. Thank you. I'm excited to be here finally. I've needed it. I know. It feels like it's been forever. It's been nine days. It feels like it's been forever. Um, Was I right? Is it episode nine? I think it's eight, but. (sighs) (laughs) I'm really bad at that. I should start looking before, but now it's kind of become a game for me to like, see if I can remember which one it is. It'll be bad if we record tomorrow to make up to our fans out there. Um, and we record back to back nights. And if I get it wrong tomorrow, that'd be pretty bad. Yeah, it will be, but it's okay. You know, we're, we're still just start throwing this. random numbers out there. Really confusing. Yeah. People. That'd be Episode awesome. 76. Um, Welcome. Lot to get to. <laughs> it's been a week. Um, like we said, a little over a week. Since the last time we got on here, um, things have been pretty much status quo. Um, here's a fun stat that I saw today. The New York Yankees were the first team to 70 wins in baseball this year, correct? Yes. The Los Angeles Dodgers won their 90th game before the Yankees reached 80. So let me just say that again. The Yankees were the first team in baseball to get to 70. Mm-hmm. And this week, the Dodgers won their 90th game before the Yankees reached win number 80. That's unreal. <laughs> you you want to know, to build off of that, you want to know another crazy stat that I saw? So the Dodgers record, the history of the Dodgers, the best record before September was 2019. Mm-hmm. Guess what? They broke that in 2021. And guess what? They broke that in 2022. And you know what happened between those years? 2020, when they were ran away as the best team in baseball and probably would have broken 2019's win record on the spot. Why do we not talk about like why is it not talked about as much anymore? Is it just be like I don't understand that. That they are setting a franchise record every single year. They keep getting better is what that means. Every year they keep getting better in the regular season. They're the best regular season team for like this stretch of years that I've ever seen. Like 
you know, all those years growing up, the Braves were dominant, the NL East and the Yankees were winning every World Series. But like it's gotten now to the point that the Dodgers are the best regular season team I've ever seen every year, just year after year. It's could incredible. you argue in every sport? I mean, other than Nick Saban and Alabama, sure. who is so, so a couple couple too. things come to mind. Um, three teams come to mind really when you say that, right? So when you say that, I would say Alabama football, right? Which is tough because they're just going undefeated every year, so it's hard to get better. Yeah. But they're right, like one of the best regular season teams of all time is Nick Saban's Alabama teams. Like when it's monumental whenever they lose, right? They're losing on kick sixes, 109 yard kick sixes, right? And it's like, yeah, um, the Patriots, right? When Brady Belichick Patriots, because that was like insane, right? Every year it was like 12 and four was a bad year. It was like the Patriots lost four mm-hmm. games. Um, I remember Miami beat them one year on like a pitchy, pitchy, pitchy woo woo late, and it was like, yep. oh my god! It's like the Patriots are now thirteen. Yeah, they're and lost. Two. And it was like, oh okay. Yeah, they- <laughs> and then they won the Super Bowl that year. Right. Um, and then the third team that I think of is the Warriors. Right. Like that stretch of Warriors, especially when they got KD, and it was just like they were just like they were messing around half the nights in the NBA. And yeah. they were winning, you know, they set the all time wins record. So those were the three. Yeah. But it might be this this stretch is still it might be the best regular season team in any sport. You're right. It's it's absurd. And it, it's so easy. They just it's cruise control. They put it on cruise control. And they beat the, they, have, they beat the brakes off of teams. They have line changes. It seems like they have line it's changes. Like, oh, we're, we're facing a lefty. All right, Trace Thompson, Chris Taylor. Like, go do your thing. And then it's like, oh, we're facing a righty. Okay, Bellinger, who has an MVP. You know, like everybody. Like, and then their top four might be the best in our lifetime of four hitters. It's like you have Mookie Betts who. Is leading off hitting thirty one tanks, Trey Turner and having who a better is, year than his MVP year. Yeah, Trey Turner, who is like just Mister Consistency, just finds barrels. He's amazing. Freddie Freeman, who's just casually after leaving Atlanta, hitting three fifteen with twenty homers, twenty five homers, whatever it is. And then you have Will Smith, and like it's like unreal. And I'm probably missing who hits top four for him at this point. I think it is Will Smith What's, usually hits four for him. It is four, yeah. What's the roadmap to beating them in a playoff series? Exactly what's happening on the pitching staff for him. You know, having to replace Tony Gonsolin. Just injuries on them. Like not- Walking Buehler. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't like. I don't think there's any way to beat a baseball team in a playoff series. You know, I always find that tough because I feel like people obsess over – just that idea of like, oh, like it's the bullpen. Oh, it's contact hitting. Oh, it's defense. Oh, it's starting pitching. It's like every year it's something different, right? And it's just being able to get hot. I think what's tough is in baseball, like in football, if you played a seven game series, it's like you're going to out personnel somebody, right? But when you're the New York Mets and you can roll Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer on short rest, or when you're the Atlanta Braves and you have a dynamic lineup that can face lefties or righties and kind of just hit you in all different ways, or you're the Houston Astros and you have an elite bullpen, or you're the Yankees and you have 15 players who are six foot five, I think like anybody can kind of take them in a seven game series. Would I hinge my bets on that? No, because of how talented they are. Cause they're kind of the combination of all those teams, but you know, anything could happen. 
So I guess that's my question then, right? Like you can't game plan for it, obviously. But I guess I'm saying like what needs to happen to beat them in a playoff series, right? Like is, is it like you need to get – right? You need DeGrom and Scherzer to go out there in two games in a best – let's say best of seven. You need DeGrom and Scherzer to go out there in two games and cool, their, cool those guys off, right? And then in game – you know, in the other two games that those guys aren't throwing or you bring one of them back. So in that other game that they're not throwing – yeah. What needs to happen, right? You need to get a couple big hits. You need to probably score early, and then you need, I would say, like some luck, right? You need okay. Yeah. So Degrom and Scherzer are just stifled Freeman and Betts. So now they're they're a little bit cold. They're they're you know they're gripping the bat a little bit tighter. They're digging a little bit, kind of feeling for it. And then you know it, you need their starter to not have it. I guess is yeah right. Like is that the roadmap? Yeah, I mean, but the thing about this Dodgers team that makes them so special is, I mean, I think they go to Arizona this weekend. Don't quote me if I'm not if I'm wrong, but we can so Zach Allen, yeah, Zach Allen's scoreless streak at some point here. Like it is where Cy Young candidates go to die is when the Los Angeles Dodgers line up. Like they aren't getting their licks off of nobodies. Like no, Corbin Burns no. had back to back five earned run starts against the Dodgers that completely de- derailed. I mean, it took his ERA from like two point three to three, and then he had another. He laid another egg this week, and you know he looks like he's searching for it right now. And that is literally one of the most dynamic pitchers. I mean, me and you have talked about it before, like that. You know the fact that he can get a ball to move as much as it does at that speed is is just unreal. Um, and then Sandy Alcantara, I know he had that big outing, the complete game that he threw against them Saturday on Saturday night. night, but the outing before that was a absolute slaughter by the by the Dodgers offense. So I mean, for what Sandy's done this year and how much he's controlled games to have even one bad start against that Dodgers team is. It shows how locked in and dynamic that offense is. And, you know, but the difference is, and I I did want to talk about this and we didn't really talk about it before, is Jacob deGrom is just that next level mutant that like Sandy Alcantara, Corbin Burns, these are these dudes that are Cy Young candidates. Like Jacob deGrom's going to walk in there and he's doing it right now. He's stifling that lineup right now and he is that good and so that is he needs to go two starts. Like I know Max has been kind of like iffy a little bit this year. You know, he's, he's, he seems like age might be catching up to him a little bit um, at the back end of this season here. But I mean, I think just getting two starts from Degrom, like that's that's potentially two games that you feel really good with. Yeah, it has to be Degrom because he is he is the mutant and he is and that's the that's the thing about baseball that can be the difference maker in a series. Right, like when you talk about football, it takes all twenty two guys lining up to to win. Right, um, maybe if you have a star quarterback, you can influence it. Um, basketball, obviously, it can be an individual. LeBron James just daddied the the Eastern Conference for years and it didn't matter really. Like I know he played with some really good teams, but it's like it didn't really matter. He was going to the finals. Like, right? So you can do that in basketball. And in baseball a little bit, like a pitcher can control a series. And a pitcher who's an individual can go out there and they he can single handedly beat a team, right? You saw Mad Bum do it um two postseasons with the with the Giants, right? It was like, okay, well, it doesn't matter really like how deep you are 
we have Madison Bumgarner who's going to go out here and he's just going to throw nine innings and he's going to, yeah. you're not going to score more than two runs and we're going to win the game. We'll, we'll find a way to scratch across two, three runs and win. So that's, that's kind of where it, it happens. I think is, is, um, it's like you said, DeGrom, who's like ne- that next level of pitcher where he can go out there. Now, the thing is, is DeGrom going to be healthy enough to do so? It certainly looks like it. It doesn't look like there's anything. I think they're managing it really well. They're building them back up. This has essentially been a spring training, which is crazy to think about. But they've built themselves such a lead that they can just monitor and manage him and just get him out when they need to. And, and like, okay, he's going to be like midseason form when all these guys have logged hundreds of innings. He's going to be in midseason form in a playoff series. And that's like, uh, that's going to be unfair because he's going to go out there and he's going to go eight, nine. And it's going to be like, you, you better match him zero for zero. And for the Dodgers, if that's, if that's the matchup we're talking about, like not having Walker Bueller, not having Kershaw, not having, you know, their top guys, it could get interesting. But again, that's one guy. So if you're playing in a best of seven, if he can't do it twice or or he only does it twice and you win the other four, then what's it matter? You just lost a series in six. Uh, Dodgers yeah. are, are home against the Padres just for the record, yeah. just to set the record straight. Um, I did promise the listeners at the beginning of the show a feisty Trevor. Um, you're very tame right now. I don't know if it's because I said something, but let's. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to gaslight a little bit. Um, I'm just going to turn the floor over to you. You got something you need to get off your chest, bud? Yeah. So. You know, I'll, I'll give the listeners what they want. Um, you know, I disclaimer here. I understand that I am in fact a nobody in comparison to Billy Ripken, who is allowed to be on MLB network for some odd reason. Um, they still invite him back, but yes, exactly. Last name. And you know, he almost just, he's like one of those people, you know how like you meet some people in this world that just dig in on their stances for the sake of digging in and like, will never budge off of it. Like that's, it's almost sad to the people love that that, to do that in sports media. Yeah. And it's just like, it's Stephen a hating the Cowboys. It's Billy Ripken hates modern day baseball. And so I'm minding my own business, trying to get some work done at home. Um, and I hear Billy Ripken talking about hitting and it's, you know, Billy Rip and, and D-Row on the floor. And when D-Row is talking about hitting, I usually like to listen. But when Billy Ripkin's talking about hitting, I try to avoid it. But I only caught the back end of it. So I don't know the gist of it, but I do understand the most of it is he was trying to say that hitters are only trying to hit home runs. It's Yeah, it's like Groundhog's Day. Guess what? Billy Ripken's on MLB Network complaining about guys trying to hit home runs and, and pitchers not not throwing enough strikes or some BS like that because he's always got something to complain about from that perspective. But So he's complaining about that, and him and Jim Tomey were, did something on MLB tonight the night before, and he was just going through the drills and how Jim Tomey has 600 home runs and he's flat. And, you know, I mean, we sat here on this podcast and talked about how hitters need to be flat. So I'm not disagreeing with the fact that hitters need to be flat. But he said, and I quote, if guys hit balls between 10 degrees and negative 10 degrees, they would hit 470. Now, real quick, real quick, can you imagine how bizarre of a state? Like, obviously, like you're on live, like he's on live TV, so he's just pontificating Mm -hmm. a little bit because he has to. But could you imagine throwing something out there like major league hitters would hit 470 if they tried to? 
Yeah. How disrespectful I mean, that is just, to pitchers. Yeah, and- <laughs> to, to hitters too in this, in this day and age to be like, Oh, Billy Ripken, you think it's that easy? You remember you faced the mailman back in the day and in, in, in your career. And what did you hit? You were a freaking backup in the big leagues who only made it because of their brother. I mean, like, let's just call it what it is. I mean, it's like he hit. Let's see. I got it pulled up right here. Nowadays, baseball reference doesn't even put batting average on their page because it's irrelevant. Like 247, Billy Rip. You were facing 88 to 92. You were facing top level division three arms and you're hitting 247. Like it's a different ball game nowadays. And you just sit there and bash the game today. It's like, and it's frustrating to watch, you know, like it's frustrating to sit there and have to, you know, because people don't understand how much that impacts baseball today. You want to know why kids aren't watching the game because they turn on the game and it's where they turn on MLB network and they're just trying to enjoy it. And, you know, MLB central, that is not, like I said to you before we got on here, not a show that's meant for controversy, right? It's not first take. It's not, you know, Skip and Shannon. It's not these these shows like that. It's genuinely just fun. It's fun to talk. They talk baseball. They cover some topics and everything like that. It's fun, you know, but these kids turn on this show expecting something positive to come out, something to, you know, applaud the MLB players because it's the best talent that's ever graced the game of baseball, you know, the MLB today, it's better than it's ever been. There's no doubt about that. I mean, guys are random guys. Felix Batista comes out of literally the ground. Like you would think this dude was just like hidden and he just pops up. It's like, Hey, you know, I throw a hundred with a, with a nasty slider and I'm going to punch, you know, 17 per nine. And you're like, oh, okay. Like those dudes grow on trees nowadays and guys show up with light tower power on a daily basis. And, you know, like it's just like instead of applauding the baseball that it is today, like you just sit there and bash it. And it's like, well, that's just awesome. Yeah, it's frustrating. I think one of the most important points is there is like why Billy Ripken is so bad, whether you agree with his stance or not. Um, which I'm sorry, I don't know how anyone does, but like, why are we going on? Like, it makes no sense. Why are we going on MLB Network and bashing the way the game is played? Like, could you imagine, like, if you if you turned on and like, wonder why the NFL has so many more fans? I've never once yeah. turned on the NFL Network and heard people complaining about spread offenses and guys, you know, and teams throwing at 45. Like, how come it's not three yards in a cloud of dust? Every team would score 40 points if they just ran the ball 58 times a game. It's like, no, they don't, they don't say that. Like they don't play with leather helmets anymore. The game has changed in football. It changes every year, right? Like football changes more than baseball does year to year because they're constantly implementing rules to protect these guys. And I never once hear Troy Aikman complaining about it. Like yeah. oh, they, they even started letting these guys celebrate. And I haven't heard one of these old white dudes in an NFL booth complaining about, you know, Justin Jefferson doing the gritty. No, because one, it's awesome. And the gritty is really hard to do. And he makes it look so smooth. But two, <laughs> Justin Jefferson's an elite athlete who is a blessing to the sport that those guys commentate. And like, so why John Smoltz, Billy Ripken, countless regional announcers, Ben Davis, who like embarrassing that I even have to listen to him. I go on there and complain, like whether it's, it's the catchers receiving one knee down, whether it's how we pitch, whether it's how we, 
we hit, whether it's just mindlessly complaining about the shift every night. And okay, I get it. You don't like the shift. There's a way to go about saying that you can make an adjustment instead of just asking guys to slap the ball on the ground the other way. It's not going to happen. It's not. And Billy, so I, I, I have to admit something to you. I read Billy Ripken's book. I don't even know the name of it and I'm not going to plug it um, <laughs> because like that's not what I'm here to do. But I read it because, um, you know, there's someone who I constantly would get into fights with about the game of baseball and, and like what needs to change and stuff like that. And um, I don't want to, I don't want to be sound like, you know, arrogant here when I say this, but I think there's a lot of people who don't understand what goes into the game of baseball and what guys are trying to do, how it works, like understanding, okay, what pitchers are trying to do, what hitters are trying to do to beat that, what goes into the training, how we maximize it, the player development stuff. Right. And, and, Again, just like you, I'm a nobody, but I was, you know, involved a little bit with it, uh, obviously coaching at the college level. And it's like, so, so anyway, so I, this person got me this book so I could read it. Cause it's like, well, this is the stance that like I kind of, and like everything he wrote in there was wrong. Yeah. He was like, no, that's not what guys are trying to do. No, that's not how this works. Like, you know, and he was just chapter by chapter, like was like launch angle swing. It's like, there's no, like I, by the way, the fact that we even call it launch angle swing, like, could you imagine, like, I don't think there's a guy, is there a guy in a big league clubhouse who refers to it as a launch angle swing? No. Right. Like, no, launch angle is simply a statistic. If you were to slap the ball on the ground to beat the shift, guess what? That ball has a launch angle. Yeah. So wouldn't that make it a launch angle swing? Because the ball you hit had a launch. The only ball that doesn't have the only swing you take that isn't a launch angle swing is when you swing and miss. Yeah. <laughs> so like just stuff like that frustrates me, and I just honestly think it's like come it's from people who watch the game and they've heard of like analytics, and it's scared people, right? Because a lot of fans who aren't, you know, getting their, you know, getting the elbow grease and getting into it, right? I don't know a better way to say that, but like. They just watch it for sport, right? They want to see people competing. Mm -hmm. They want to see their team win. They want to see guys put up good numbers. Well, I understand that. The way for these guys to do that is to, you know, for coaches to get this data and the analytics to try and build teams to win. You don't, if you're a fan and you don't like that stuff, don't pay attention to it. It's not ruining the game. I remember when Gabe Kapler came to Philadelphia and like everything they said was like, oh, he's not even managing the game. He's just listening to a spreadsheet. What does that even mean? Like, no, there's yeah. a printed spreadsheet that comes down for the front office that's like, okay, manager, in this inning, you will do this. No. Yeah. Now, like, he, he doesn't have that much control in the game. And so I just – it drives me nuts when, when guys like Bill Ripken get on get on broadcast for baseball where you should be promoting the game and you talk, you talk so negatively about it. Yeah. I mean, it, you obviously covered so many – just good points and it's like and it's frustrating like you said i mean and i'm not going to sit here and say you know i'm way more open-minded today than i was five years ago like there's there's a me sitting there five years ago watching mlb network ready to freaking message mlb network on twitter telling him to get billy ripkin off the stage like i get it he played in the big leagues i get it his brother was really good like i get it it's you know all that stuff like that like the the family everything like 
I completely understand it. You've spent more time in a in a baseball locker room than I've ever imagined, especially at that level. You've been around that elite of athletes. So I can definitely say for certain that like there are things that I've been forced to be open minded with that have helped that help grow me as a baseball mind. Right. And it's thing it's opinions like that. But you know, when you sit there and just like, it, it's almost like they sit in the broadcast room when Billy Ripken comes on MLB Network. It's like, hey, Billy, what do you want to bash about the game today? Oh, I want to bash one knee catcher. Oh, I want to bash launch angles. And he literally, like, that's all he does. Like, he's never gone on MLB Network and lauded anybody except for like Luis Arias. It's like, okay, yeah, he's cute. Watch him hit 260 next year. Like, yeah, he's hitting 330 <laughs> this year. Like, watch him. Oh, everybody was all over Adam Frazier last year. Yeah, he was, oh, he's such a good hitter. All he does is put the ball in play. He doesn't strike. Look at what Adam Frazier is now. Yeah, why isn't and, he hitting 470? Yeah, because, you know, it's not that easy just to hit it where they're not. And it's not possible. And it's just like, that's the infuriating part is that, like, these guys, they don't, like, like, you just stay in your closed minded world and don't understand that, like, hey, like, there is a, information out here that works. And then not to mention, you mentioned the shift, like the adjustment. He said today that he's not convinced that guys couldn't hit for a high average with the shift. He, cause meaning what? that's what meaning that the shift wasn't taking hits away. Guys were taking hits away from themselves with their approach that if they tried to hit the ball on the ground in the shift, how many times have we seen a ground ball up the middle for an out in the last year? Two years, five years. I just saw how many one, times I have we seen saw one tonight? Yeah, yeah. How many times have we watched a lefty pull the ball 105 in mid right field for an out? So you're telling me it's guys' approaches that are losing them hits? It's not the shift. You're convinced guys could still hit for average with the shift. When you're talking about balls that are hit at 110, yeah, back in the day when you played and you hit 247, you hit a ball 110 in the hole. Guess what? It's a hit every time, every time. There's nobody standing there. Nowadays, they know exactly where you miss. And that's what D-Rose said to kind of make an argument. Like I said, MLB Central is not meant for controversy, right? So he's not up there sticking it to him saying you're wrong, but you could tell he, I don't think he was feeling what he was saying, but he said, if you're Rugnet Odor, because Bill Ripken decided to attack Rugnet Odor, Rugnet Odor. Okay. Real quick, real quick, real quick. That's the thing that I hate hate about anytime I get into one of these arguments with someone, they're never telling me um, why a good, like I won't even say Aaron judge, why Aaron judge should yeah. change his approach. Cause obviously you can't, this you is can. the whole you know point of my argument is like, he's the opposite, but like, give me a good, like no one's sitting there telling me why Julio Rodriguez should, should change their approach. No. They're always going to point to like, okay, you're talking about Rugnid Odor. That's what we want to argue about right now. Like a guy who's like a barely above replacement level major league player. That's who we're going to argue. You want to tell me? Yeah. Thanks. Rugen Odor should change a lot of things about his game. He's just not that good. Yeah, With he should all, change the fact that he's all not due that respect talented. to yeah, Odor. Exactly, because like, exactly, he would he could come punch a square in the face. <laughs> he's got a mean <laughs> right hook. We, we know yeah, that. We he know doesn't that. even catch strays. But I'm just saying, like it's like because I remember one time getting into it, and the and the example I was given was Roman Quinn. Roman Quinn shouldn't probably be on a big league roster. He is one yeah. usable tool, like, and that's his feet. No. Like it, yeah. sorry, you want to you want to tell me why? Like, 
Roman Quinn, if he hits the ball on the ground, is still going to be making out air. Yeah, because big ground. Le- yeah, because big leaguers are elite defenders and they have elite alert internal clocks. Like, don't you yeah. think Trey Turner would bunt for a hit a lot more if the Dodgers, the Dodgers out of everybody, the team that knows more than everybody, thought it was an effective way for him to get a hit? Don't you think Trey Turner would hit everything on the ground if the Dodgers thought it was an effective way for him to get hits? It's not in the big leagues. It's not. They literally have heat maps on where your swing can't hit balls on the ground. Well, and like, here's that's my how biggest- much information we have. My biggest gripe with the hitting debate that's taking place, and of course, there are people on both ends of the extremes, right? So there's people like Billy Ripken and and guys like that who, who like, obviously, I completely disagree with. Like, no, shouldn't be hitting the ball on the ground. And real versus field, they have no understanding of that because it's like, no, guys aren't getting steep. They might have thought they were, but they're getting flat and they're matching the plane of the swing anyway and there's people on the other end who like really want you to dump barrel and get two lift it's like okay now you have it wrong as well but the yes. thing that bothers me the most is like hitting more than any other sport anything you do in any other sport is about chance because you can't position the fielders right like you right. can't position the fielders you can't really control where the ball goes off the bat all you can try and do then to be successful wouldn't it make sense to then maximize your chances of getting a hit? And isn't it easy to then look at around the league and even watch baseball? You don't even need to read any data because I know people are scared of numbers. But like to say like, okay, if the harder I hit the ball, the mo- the higher chance I have of getting a hit. That's all these guys are trying to do. That's it. Yes. Because if you hit, hit the, the ball in the barrel, which you have to do by matching plane, you hit the ball harder. That's yeah. it. Period. Period. End of sentence. Well, That's all they're trying to do because in a game of chance, the, the harder you hit the ball, the more likely you are. Like, uh, come on, before all of this started, when you were in Little League, what did the coaches say? Hit it hard somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> That's and, all they're trying to do. That, so, yeah, we try and match yeah. the plane to do it. And if you hit a line, well, and, like hit a line drive and you hit a yeah. line drive 110 miles an hour, guess what? It tends to backspin out of the ballpark. Yeah. And that's what his negative towards, like he went on Rugnet doors, which he ended up flying out to the wall where the center fielder made a really nice catch. And it's like, and he was like, that's an F8. Well, first off, if I'm the hitting coach, like, and Bill Rip comes back to me and I just flew out to the track, if I'm Rugnet door and my hitting coach comes up to me and says, hey, good job. That's an F8. You're getting the Jose Batista right hook to the freaking jaw. <laughs> Like you don't say that to like, and then he goes, "Oh, well, that's a well, that'll be a barrel on Statcast, yeah, because it is a barrel." He flew out three ninety five to the warning track, and you're gonna tell a hitter, "Well, that's not what we want. That's an F eight. That is so arrogant to do." I'd be like, I would have your baseball like if I was Rugnet Odor and I had a hitting coach like that, I would pull my base your baseball card out of my back pocket and be like, "All right, you go get a knock, then, dude." Like, wh- who are you? It, like, the only person who has the right to say that is Barry Bonds. Like, you come back and be like, that's an F8. Get legs on it. And I'm like, yeah, dude. I, yeah, you would have. I bet. But, no like, there is no human being who can sit there and bash a hitter for flying. Like, you couldn't tell me that Billy Ripken, we have, we're, you're working at MLB Network. You're telling me you couldn't find a better clip than a guy flying out to the warning track where the guy had to jump and make a catch up against the wall? 
Like you couldn't, you, you're telling me for your argument's sake, you couldn't find a ball that wasn't hit a hundred plus 395 feet in the air, in the air. Like you're now you don't have a top spun ball. You don't have anything like that. You don't have a swing and miss. Oh, well his other argument was Pete Alonzo chasing an Andrew Heaney fastball above the zone and being quote unquote under it and only trying to hit a home run. Well, why don't you talk about Andrew Heaney having a little bit of life on his fastball? Andrew Heaney right. gets 10 Thank punch you. outs a Recreating game. Recreating himself with the Dodgers. How about if we're going to talk, if we're going to go on MLB Network and talk about baseball, instead of bashing Pete Alonso for swinging under Andrew Heaney fastballs, how about going, Andrew Heaney really struggled with the Angels when he was a two-seam guy and he was working down yeah. his own. He's going to the Dodgers. He throws his fastball 64%. Percent of the time, and if you look at the heat map, it's all belt and above. So and he gets a ton look of at his numbers on it. Look at his numbers. So it's like clearly Andrew Heaney's found something. Let's break that down instead of talking about how Pete Alonso is doing what everyone else in the league is doing this year against Andrew Heaney. Like, yeah. good job by Andrew Heaney <laughs> recreating himself and finding some success in his career. Like, exactly. why are we now? I, like, that's what, and like, again, so disrespectful to pitchers. <laughs> So disrespectful to pitchers. Like, pitcher's stuff is um, – Johan Duran, this is what we should be talking about tonight. Johan Duran threw a 100-mile-an-hour splinker the other night. Whatever that is. Whatever that is. How come someone didn't hit it on the ground in the hole? God, these guys yeah. don't know how to hit. Bill Rifkin would have Tony Gwynn that bad boy to left center. Yeah, right down the third. No oh, problem. Give me thir- oh, if they gave me third base, I'd be hit. I'd be a 300 hitter. No, you wouldn't. And yeah. I don't know if he's ever Bill, said that. Bill but. Ripken would have taken that Johan Durand 100-mile-an-hour splinker the other way off the monster and left. Yeah, exactly. No, it would have rolled to the monster and left, let's be rolled honest. Rolled to the monster. What are we he, doing? He would have been hard on top. He would have and, had a divot and the right, thing, in that, right in that dirt. And again, there, like, there are sides to the – and Bill Ripken is so bad for people who stand on that side of things because there are things about the game that I would like to see – like. Base running is starting to make a comeback because for a few years there, base running was obsolete. And that stunk because running the bases is like a huge, huge part of the game. And you can steal games running the base as well. And you're Mm -hmm. starting to see guys being able to do it. Playing really good defense. I mean, I'm 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 watching the t- I just happen to have the Tigers Mariners on in the background, and in the bottom of the sixth inning of a two-two game, the Tigers had a runner on first, and a ball was hit in the right field corner, and Mitch Haniger just fielded it going towards a foul pole, stopped and threw a dime to second. Like that'll win you games, right? Then you know he keeps it a one-run game, and two runs in the top of the seventh, they're winning. So like that stuff matters, and. There was a law there of base running and defense. We weren't doing that. But as far as the hitting and pitching goes, is like we're right on track. Like you yeah. said earlier, this is the best. Like these are the good old days. Sorry, guys who remember like Henry Aaron and all that stuff. And those guys were fantastic baseball players, and that was fun. But the this is the good old days. This is peak pitching, peak offense. Yeah, like, this is it. You're close. witnessing it, and you, we should enjoy it and celebrate it because there's. There's so many guys now. We've gotten to the point offensively. There's so many guys who do so many different things and they're successful in so many different ways. They're not all the same, right? It's not just like we, you know, we had back in the day when guys hit a bunch of doubles and triples and home runs weren't that crazy. You had one or two guys. And then you had the, you know, the steroid era where everyone was just going bonkers hitting homers. And then that came back a little bit in the, when, when they, 
they juice the baseballs and everyone's hitting which. But now there's guys like Judge who are hitting 50 plus. There's guys who are hitting for high average. There's doubles guys. Yep. There's guys who are running the bases. Like this is great. There's guys it's on great. the mound who are throwing a million miles an hour with different repertoires. Yep. Guys who are succeeding with sinkers down in the zone. Guys who are, are rushing four seamers up. Like this is it. And instead we're it's, going on and we're talking about how much guys should be able to hit 470. Yeah, and, and like what gets me the most is like you like I said, he used two side angles of Rugnetto Dor and Pete Alonso, but you nitpick and it's so obvious for your argument because five seconds before it, they're applauding Aaron Judge and he literally works with a hitting coach that teaches him to turn the barrel and snap. To and the you're biggest applauding extreme. this guy. Yeah, to the biggest extreme. Like, that's what Aaron Judge does. Aaron Judge works more uphill than anybody. And what do you got? What's your argument for that? Oh, well, it's because he's 6'8. Not everybody should do that. And I agree. That's the reason why it works. But you, I don't see him up there on MLB Network bashing Aaron Judge for what he does because he'd look like an idiot. But your argument is void right there when I can pull up a side angle of Aaron Judge and be like, what do you think of his swing? Oh, well, Aaron Judge is great. So we pick and choose the guys that that aren't flat because Aaron Judge is far from flat. He's far from flat. You weren't bashing Cody Bellinger when he won an MVP. And sure, it's caught up to him a little bit now, but nobody was bashing him for not being flat. Everybody's like, oh, Cody Bellinger's swing is beautiful. It starts at his knee. He might as well have a golf club. (laughs) Well, and again, like – it's so easy to cherry pick again. No offense, but it's so easy to cherry pick Rune Odor and Roman Quinn and yeah. uh, you know a bunch of guys who aren't good, like aren't good enough. Yeah. Like yes, it's easy to and and Rune Odor had some really good years too. Like he's gotten to a point in his career where like he he's squeezing the last few drops out of his big league career. Would you want him to change at this point in his career? Well, like, and and that's what, that's what D-Rose said as like an argument was like, if you're Rugnet Odor and you have somebody from the Orioles going like, these are your heat maps. Like if you hit the ball on the ground, you're out. What are you going to try to do? And Billy hit the ball in the air because I want to stay in the big I don't believe that. I don't, I don't believe that. That that's the case. Yeah, no what do you thanks. mean that's not the case? Like in the big leagues, ground balls are outs. Like I don't know how hard that is to understand. Like I mean, I'm looking at a freaking batting average from launch angle, and he said between ten and negative ten. And you know what? He's right about ten to zero. Right from zero to ten, every batting average is three fifty or above. But when you start to throw in that negative ten batting average for negative. Six is 193 in the big leagues this year. 193. And you're saying between 10 and negative 10 is a guy who's going to hit 470. But you ignore the fact that from 5 to 25, every batting average is above 450 and 500. So your art again, you're, you want to pick these windows of being like, oh, if guys hit between 10 and negative 10, well, guess what people in the MLB teach now hit between five and 25. And guess what batting averages on balls hit between five and 25 over 500 over 550. Some areas when you're looking at 15, 14, you're looking at 775 and 750. And then guess what? 
There's also an element of the doubles percentage goes up less than 10 degrees. You know how the highest percentage of doubles is extra base hit 9.3. You know what the lowest is from 10 to 25, 11.4 at 10. And then you Mac factor in the fact that home runs are in play now from five to 25. So now you're impacting the game with a high average and hitting for power. That's why guys can hit 330 with power. Cough, cough. Paul Goldschmidt. Guess what? Paul Goldschmidt's not between 10 and negative 10. And guess what? He and Paul Goldschmidt's not stupid in his swing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Paul he Goldschmidt's works as flat as anything. Yeah. And it's like, just like you, how can you sit there and have a platform? And like, I would dream to have his job. Right? Like, I would dream to do what he does yeah. on a daily basis. And nobody sits there and fact checks him. I'm, I'm sure there are analytics guys that work for MLB Network that roll their eyes every time they have to put a segment together for him. But, oh, I'm sure. And like, even like I said, like, Devo usually is like all into what guys are saying. But, like, the last two segments I remember were the one knee down catcher and the one from today where it was just like he was kind of like pushing back, but not pushing back. And like being like, you know, like, I don't know about that. Like, he's like, he's like, it's not, you know, the information that they have is just too much. I mean, it's. it's Well, that's the thing, too, is to like blatantly Mm -hmm. think that. I I don't know. To blatantly think people are in there with all the information we have, like it's wrong. It's wrong. You don't think someone would have figured that out by now? Like, again, take the Dodgers who have won. 90 games already. It's not even September yet. Real quick, I'm sorry. Again, I have this Tigers-Mariners game on. Andres Munoz is – people need to start talking about Andres Munoz. He's dotting 100 and throwing a 90-mile-an-hour slider off of it that is just unhittable right now. He's punched two guys here in the seventh on six pitches, and it is just – he's unbelievable. Um I, it made me lose my turn. Oh, you would think that when, if the if hitting the ball on the ground and hitting it where they weren't, wouldn't that be what the Dodgers did? Wouldn't that be what the Astros did? Nope. Well, yeah, they wouldn't don't. that be what every team does? Like they want to win. Hitters want to exactly. stay in the MLB. Like if this information wasn't being presented to the point where, like, hey, like you know, each their own, but you're kind of gonna eat or be eaten if you don't make an adjustment here and. You know, that's what guys have to deal with in the MLB today. And it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, and there's guys that have turned, like, to ignore the guys that have turned their careers around. I mean, Josh Donaldson made himself an MVP by ignoring hitting the ball. And I agree, like, Nathaniel Lowe, like, I would much rather be having this conversation because coming into yesterday, I wanted to talk about Nathaniel Lowe. And you don't even, Dan didn't even know I wanted to talk about Nathaniel Lowe because we didn't even get to this point. But you know what Nathaniel Lowe did last year too much? Hit too many ground balls. Right. You know what he's doing now? Hitting balls in the air. And there are guys in the MLB that have to think swing down. And this is where that whole piecing that thing together is, is guys that are naturally steep, right? Those guys that have the natural loft in their swing, the guys that naturally work uphill, guess what they have to do to keep their bat in the hitting zone for longer? Think swing down, think the other way, because that's what keeps their posture. And guess what? Those are the guys that pull the ball the best that have the most, you know, talent, power at young ages, things like that. 
But there's also a segment of guys that were taught since they were kids to swing down and, you know, they do a really good job of actually getting barrel above hand and working downhill for whatever reason they do. And they're really good at being flat and almost potentially downhill and hammering those guys to swing downhill it doesn't work. What works, what ends up clicking for them is the exact opposite thinking swing up. Guess what that does? Right. Flattens out their bat path. So like to just ignore the fact that like, you know, JD Martinez working inside the baseball, JD Martinez, the, you know, the age old story, the guy made it to the big leagues as, you know, basically a robot hitter and then makes himself into this mutant by making changes. Mookie Betts works uphill. Mookie Betts is as freaking gorgeous of a swing and he's not a big dude. Justin Turner, like Max Muncy, we could go on for days of the guys that have literally made themselves MLB all-stars and MVP candidates based off of thinking I need to hit the ball in the air more. And there are guys that do think downhill, the Juan Sotos of the world, Mike Trouts of the world. All the, there's probably a lot of guys that might even be like fringe big leaguers that think that way. And that's what, again, like I said, it keeps them in the hitting zone longer. But that's what being a hitting coach is all about. You have to know that like, hey, when I turn around like, and let's say Mike Trout and Shohei Ohtani are hitting back to back and Mike Trout seems to be getting, you know, way under baseballs like hey, we need to think on top. We need to be, you know, get the barrel above that baseball. It has a little bit of hop and then Shohei seems to be, you know, just beating balls into the ground and you're like, "Hey, let's get that ball in the air." You have to be able to understand that not every hitter is the same. No, and they can't be, right? Cuz and they're all <sighs> we've talked about this a couple of times, but like everybody moves differently. Right. So everybody's, you know, we talked about this with pitching as, as guys are getting older and, and, and staying good as they get older. A lot of it has to do with the fact that they're understanding how they specifically move. It's the same thing with hitters, same thing with athletes, right? Mookie Betts, who's five ten, can't do the same thing in the batter's box as Aaron judge, who's six foot seven. It would never work for Mookie Betts. And if Aaron Judge tried to do what Mookie Betts did, he'd be over swinging. He wouldn't, he doesn't need to because he's six foot seven. Yeah. Like, so everybody's different. And that's, you can take that from, from every single guy. I mean, those are two MVP candidates. You can name any two players in baseball and they, they can't do the same thing, right? You can't mi- mimic Bryce Harper's swing and Bryce Harper can't mimic Sheldon Noisy's swing. Because they move differently. They're different athletes. And to sit there and just, we, we want to generalize because it's easy to do. And it just makes it hard. And, and we want to attack it. You know, we want to generalize and then attack. And that's just kind of the culture that we're in. And in baseball, it's really toxic right now. And it's, it's, a, it's a shame. But um, we gave Bill Ripken about 45 minutes. So let's end the show. Real quick shout out. Gunnar Henderson first m- made his debut tonight in Cleveland. Hits a bomb in the fourth inning with the helmet off. The lettuce flying around the bases. What a stud. I said to you before we started recording, there's a lot of girls in the Baltimore area who just found out who Gunnar Henderson was tonight because, boy, attractive, that hair, really good looking. Um, and he's going to – Orioles, man, they are going to be fun. Um, they got it going. But we're into September now, Trev. So I figured at the end of the episodes we'll do something fun. We'll take a look at the standings, and I'm just going to pick two teams, okay, that are potentially in the playoffs – I want you to tell me the path, how what they got to do to to either hold where they're at or get into the playoffs, and what would make them dangerous in the playoffs. Okay, okay. 
So tonight we're going to start in the American League. And I just want you to real quick give me um, the team that is currently positioned in the third wild card in the American League is the Toronto Blue Jays. High expectations to come into the year. They've started to figure it a little out, you know, and they've been rolling a little bit kind of quietly. Um, they've played really, really good at home. They're 12 games over 500. They're ahead of the Orioles by two and a half. What, did, what needs to happen for them to hold where they are, or improve, and what will make them dangerous if they were to get in? High-end talent, the top of their lineup. Like, every, like they have a collection of, like, their top two, three arms and their top two, three hitters that compares with anybody in the game. And that's what's going to get them there is those guys need to get hot and carry the load. Jose Barrios needs to be the Jose Barrios that people – you know, expect them to be Kevin Gosman and Alec Manella in a playoff series is scary. And Vlad can take over a game. George Springer has playoff experience, but you get Vlad in a playoff series, get runners on base. You know, I always think home run games are, or playoff games, sorry, are won by the three run home run. The team that can out three run home run the other team is how you win tight playoff games because all it takes is one swing of the bat, bloop and a blast, and you're in there. And Vlad could have multiple of those moments if the guys are in front of him getting on base. So, you know, you look at that team, you know, it might not be as deep. There might need some pieces in the long haul to kind of be the consistent winner that let's just say they have the potential to be. But that top end talent at the top of that roster is scary. Yeah, and I think for me, I, I'm kind of pulling for the Blue Jays because I think it, it'd be good for baseball to get those guys into the postseason, right? Who doesn't want to see Vlad and Bo Bichette, um in the postseason, right? Like everyone should be rooting for that. Um, and, you know, Matt Chapman and, and all those guys, Springer, like their postseason, like let's get those guys in the postseason. And, and I agree that the top end talent on that roster is really good. The depth is what's killed them all year, but they're starting to kind of piece things together. Also, if Jose Barrios, like what to me makes them dangerous is if Barrios can figure it out, it might be a little too late for him to say it, but you never know. If he gets into a postseason start and you get the electric Jose Barrios that that we know he can be, and you pair that with Gosman in a short series, I mean, that would, yeah, that would scare me, right? And Manoa, yeah. like those three guys, you're talking about a five-game series. There's three guys right there really good. And then how about a wild-card series where it's best of three, Gosman, Manoa, and, and Barrios right there. You know, they could they could oust someone. So um, quick. quick. Well, this was fun. It was good to get back on here and uh Yeah. It felt like it had been forever. It ha- it, it did feel like it's been forever. I forgot we did this for stretches yeah, this week. I know, I know. Um well, hopefully we get back on. Maybe we'll record for you guys tomorrow, get another episode out, make sure before that happens, you download, rate, subscribe, follow at BacksideGB on Twitter. Hit us up. Let us know if you love Billy Ripkin or if you hate Billy Ripkin. You know where Trev stands. 